Gravy is a leadership development company disguised in the payments industry. What we literally are trying to do is launch people out into the world that are culture creators that will go create other companies and go create other divisions at other places. And so that's what we're trying to do. Tractionville, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with Benj Miller. Folks, we are excited uh, to bring you Casey Graham. Casey Graham is the CEO and founder of Gravy. Casey, welcome to Tractionville. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Hey, Benj. Casey, I've known you and watched you for a long time. And I'm excited for Tractionville to get to know you. Before we get into what you do and how you do it, which is unique and unique, um, would you give us a little bit about your background, your story, how you got to where you're at? Because I think it really tees up why you're so passionate about the things that you're passionate about. Yeah, long story short is um, I started, I was an entrepreneur at seven years old when I went and knocked on doors and Miss Cassidy gave me $7 to pick weeds in her garden. And um, literally uh, at 14, you know, uh, opening a car wash at, you know, 16, doing the lawn care business at 20, doing collegeloadout.com and moving sorority girls out of their dorm, keeping their stuff and then bringing it back and time I met my wife. And uh, I've just been an entrepreneur my whole life. But then, you know, I, I got into the whole church world and I went and I actually was a pastor. I helped this startup church uh, for a little bit. And then after a season of doing that, I, I jumped ship. My wife looked at me. I told her one day, I said, listen, I just can't do this anymore. I've got this dream and this vision, this idea. And, and she said, you've been saying this for two years. You need to pee or get off the pot. And that was 13 years ago. Um, I quit. We had a one-year-old at home. She wasn't working. It was all dependent on me, $34,000 in savings. And I just said, hey, we're going to go for it. And that was 13 years ago. Um, it's been three, um, three start, grow, and sell um, exits. Um, they've each gotten bigger with size. Uh, but as each one of them got bigger, I lost myself along the way. And um, I think that the, the, the craziest part about catching me at this, this in the fourth version is that I'm glad that your listeners can catch me in the fourth version because for the first 36 years of my life, um, I basically lived for myself and I didn't even know it. Um, I didn't know why I existed. I didn't know why I was doing business. I just thought I was had to be successful and I thought I had to do all this kind of stuff. And after I got a pile of money and Realized that it doesn't love you back. I, uh, I I I went to the I went to some deep dark places that were not not good. And um, you know now it's been that was four years ago. Uh, I got major help, uh, mental mental help. Um, I got um, friend help, and uh, you know we started a company let called me, Gravy. And, let me jump in there and ask you because yeah. this is really heavy, man. Was it, your, <laughs> was, it, was it your identity or your purpose? What what was it that was you were struggling with? Yeah, um, both. But identity was probably the biggest thing. Um, I didn't realize I was still trying to make my dad proud. Um, okay. I didn't I didn't realize that, you know, when I would call home and, and he just did his best. I'm not throwing him under the bus or any of that. But, you know, when I call home, he'd ask me, literally, I'd be in the middle of, we just made the Inc. 5000 list or the 500 list, you know, the third time in a row. 
and and want to and tell him about it. And he'd ask me, when are you going to become a lawyer? You know, or, you know, that kind of thing. You know, like, when are you going to become something that I understand? Uh, yeah. And um, I didn't realize that, but success separates and failure unites. Um, it, that's just how it works. And so um, success separating is that I felt separated. I've always felt disconnected and I just wanted to please him. And I, and I didn't know that was what was driving me. So I was running from, I was running out of fear. I yeah. wasn't running, I wasn't running toward anything. And so everything was, I have to be successful. And so, you know, if, if the company's finances were up, I was up. If everything was down, right. I was down. And I felt completely tied to uh, the business. If somebody left the business, I felt hurt. You know, it was, it was all of those different kinds of things of just being emotionally unhealthy person. So you, so when you, so four years ago or whenever you sold the last one, right? Your 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 identity, right? It's like, where's my identity? Who I lost I, I lost three things. So there's so there's not much written about post exit, by the way. Like there's not many books, and there, that's actually a big niche. I tell people they need to go really really focus on is that there's not a lot that's just for that. And when you sell a company, you lose three things, in my opinion. Number one uh, is that you lose your purpose, um, and and what I mean by that is. Like there's something about waking up with something to do and something to believe in and something to accomplish. And I remember meeting with Benj during this time period and I was casting vision about this real estate deals I was doing. And he said, Casey, that's where good entrepreneurs go to die. <laughs> that's what he told me. He literally told me that, you know, you did. And, <laughs> but, but, I did. but I felt like what he was saying there was like, Hey, you've got more in you than, you know, to create passive investments and sit around and, you know, whatever. But you lose your purpose. Number two is um, you lose a community. You know, as an entrepreneur, especially a small business entrepreneur, not necessarily when you're like way bigger, small business wise, I mean, you're letting people in that match your value, your personal values, and you're creating values aligned. Like these people are like your people. And then to hand the keys over, get shipped, wired a million dollars, you know, millions and millions of dollars at a Friday. And then two weeks later, you're sitting in a Starbucks and they're back there still doing that. And you're sitting, you know, three miles away in Starbucks going, what the hell am I going to do with the rest of my life? It was like I, I shipped, I sold that. It was like I sold, I thought I was selling a company, but it felt like I sold relationships and I felt very guilty about it. Wow. Um, and then the third thing, which people underestimate is structure of time. Structure of time. People, entrepreneurs tell me they want freedom and they want all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm just telling you, give it to them, give them freedom, give them no structure of time, no purpose, and no community. And essentially, you find yourself in a living hell. And yeah. so I didn't know all that. And so essentially, when I sold, my props went away. When my props went away, it's just me. And I'm going, why do I exist? What's the yeah. point? Like all that kind of stuff. This makes me want to ask this question, right? So you you, you said you went to kind of a deep dark place. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna frame it this way. You dug yourself a hole. What I want to know is, at what point did you say to yourself, "Shit, all I gotta do is cut a staircase and I'll walk out of this hole." You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's not how it worked for me. Okay, talk to us. I didn't walk out. I was carried out. And um, my friend Richard met with me every Friday. And there's something about a friend um, that I think entrepreneurs, I think it's a, it's a lost art. Like people talk about, 
me and my friend, I'm talking about this guy was like a true friend. Like he knew everything about me and I knew everything about him and we could get together and he was an entrepreneur and I was an entrepreneur and we would talk business. We talk life, family, whatever. But he met with me every week and he gave me some direction and some help and he would listen to me. And it was one of the few relationships where I could come every week and, and be selfish almost and just talk about here's where my head is. Here's where, here's where I'm struggling. Here's what it is. And so from that, Richard, uh, my group of friends around me, they grabbed a corner. Uh, my, me and my wife have spent a lot of years grabbing corners when people have tough times and helping. And it was my time to, to be on the mat. And I needed a corner grabbed. And, and they, they, they just came around and said, we believe in you. Because the number one prevailing thought I had, which entrepreneurs have, was I got lucky. That's what I thought. I thought, I got lucky. I'll never be able to find another thing again. That was it. And so my friends, I went to professional counseling every week uh, for 14 months, me and my wife, we went together and separate, which was huge. Um, and then uh, last but not least, I met with a coach that was almost like if an executive coach, a, a counselor and a pastor had a baby all in one was this coach. Yeah. And so he was the first one that helped me go like, okay, you've been sitting around in this misery world long. Like it's time to like, just make a decision and go do something. Like you got, you need to just go. And so it was those, those type of relationships around me that, um, they carried me out of the hole. Wow. That's amazing. And then when was there a flip? Cause was it a switch that eventually flipped or was it just a long gradual transition? Cause you're not well, that person. I wasn't sitting around doing anything. Um, while that was in the background, we tried, Renee and I, I'm looking over because she's right over there. Uh, she's my integrator. And uh, we tried 13 ideas in 14 months. So I did a college women's apparel company. Like we spun it up, put up the ad started like because I'm the ultimate action creates traction so I don't believe in business plans and I don't believe in all that I just believe in get it out to the market see what happens and then like the first college girl sent the thing back and said like I thought it was a slinky v and it wasn't this and I said I'm out of this <laughs> I, don't I don't know what the hell a slinky v is uh, you know a little market research might have said <laughs> something there but okay um but anyway so so we we were trying things and then yeah. finally um we had this idea because the private equity group that bought my company ended up firing the lady who did failed payment recovery for gravy. I mean, for, for the rocket company, my previous company. And so she called me and said, Hey, do you have anything? And I just read an article that said the, the, the businesses that will do best in 2017 will be the businesses that make money for businesses. I was like, well, no duh. I read that article. She called me and I was like, oh crap. I wonder if people take care of their failed payments because we didn't used to do that. When we were in the rocket company, we went to sell the company. We lost millions and millions of dollars during due diligence two years before we sold the company because we had a churn issue that then we found out was failed payments. And so we fixed it. And I assumed everybody would fix that. Like everybody, if they had failed payments go out of their business and churning customers, they would fix it. And so then she called, I said, I wonder what my friends are doing. And so I called my friend, Amy Porterfield. I said, Amy, what are you doing for this? She said, I don't know. And so then I called someone else. Well, I think somebody does it. I think they do this. And then that was the genesis of going like, oh my God, nobody pays attention to this. And uh, that, that was the genesis of, of gravy. So for uh, people who haven't caught up, tell us what gravy does. 
Yeah, gravy recovers failed payments for subscription-based companies. And a failed payment is when there's a credit card or a debit card or any type of card on file. And it fails for a number of 283 reasons a credit card can fail. Um, and what we found is most people just use what's called dunning, which is automated email, uh, automated emails, and then automated retries. And I'm sure you guys have experienced it. Maybe you're traveling, or maybe your credit card changes, or maybe your address changes, and you get the email that says, "Hey, update your credit card." And they usually send you one, maybe two, if they're really aggressive, three, and then they just cancel your subscription. And so what we found was, hey automation doesn't work with this is like a, a sell again like you need to be as like you got to get after it. and so we found that yes we use automation and technology but we also use human beings that reach out if the technology doesn't get them to say hey this is katie i saw that your credit card failed and we work on behalf of our brand so nobody knows gravy exists so it's brand integrity for them and we recover those failed payments and customers for people all right, so that sounds like the most boring, hateful it is. business ever. I wouldn't want to call somebody just to try and get their credit card back. But people love working for Gravy. Why? Nobody went to career day in high school and was like, you know what? When I'm 35 years old, my dream job <laughs> is to go recover failed payments. for you know." And so how, how do we do this is that it, the number one is that our purpose is that we accelerate freedom. And you say, what does that mean? And here's what it means internally to us. And this is what we talk about all the time. Gravy is a leadership development company disguised in the payments industry. And all we do is develop leaders inside of our company. And our whole goal is to take people that they, they had no idea what the direction of their career was going to be or the purpose. And we take, and usually they come, they're like stay-at-home moms, bunch of military families. They didn't know what they were going to do. They step into gravy because they're going to do this administrative job. And then we start training them on, on leadership and vision and culture and values. We start, we do co copywriting classes and culture classes, and we start teaching how to be a leader. And the point is, our entire goal is to help people leave better than they came in. And so our, what we literally are trying to do is launch people out into the world that are culture creators that will go create other companies and go create other divisions at other places. And so literally when we say we accelerate freedom is that we're accelerating the freedom of the careers and the trajectory of the people that work inside of our office first. I used to say customers are first. I don't, we don't believe that anymore. We believe that our team is first, our customers are second, and our shareholders are third. And that's how we operate. So we accelerate freedom for each other. And so we just had five new people joined today. We're adding 45 new people over the next 90 days. And everybody's so fired up about it is because it's the story of somebody came in, they were lost, didn't know their direction. They get some leadership in them and they were able to launch them out into their career and get a double the pay raise, get recruited, go do better things than they could even do here. Do you need help hiring your next superstar? Have you ever hired someone to learn that they don't align with your culture and core values? VisionSpark is the go-to resource for companies running on EOS. Their team of search professionals are experts in people. VisionSpark's proprietary process ensures that you hire the right person for long-term cultural fit and bottom-line growth. Let VisionSpark strengthen the people component of your business. VisionSpark, right search, right team, right seats. You can visit VisionSpark at visionsparksearch.com. I want you to dive uh, more into to culture, but knowing you, I know you've got to culture. 
by being really clear on what you call owner's intent. Yeah. For us in, in Tractionville, we say, hey, EOS is a system to help you get what you want out of your business. Yeah. But you got to know what you want out of your business. And that's where you got really clear about what how you, your term owner's intent. Tell us about that. Yeah. So for me, um, I couldn't do the next thing with and, and like end up in the same place. <laughs> So I had to know why the whole time, like really why. And I had to wake up and know why am I going to show up? Uh, my owner's intent for gravy, which means what I want out of the business is I, is I want to create a place is to create a place where my adult children would want to work someday if they so chose to. So that's the whole owner's intent. So it answers every other question. Should we hire this person? Should we keep growing or should we stop? Should we take money out? Should we put it in? What kind of culture would you create? And so essentially the, the culture that we're creating is if my 29-year-old daughter, let's say she's 13 now, 13 years from now, she came home and she said, dad, she's at Christmas, her face, she brings her family home or whatever. And she says, let me tell you about that, my boss. Let me tell you about our summits. Let me tell you about our team meetings. Let me tell you about this a correction. Let me tell you about how my boss helped me. Let me tell you about what they did for me. That's what we're trying to create is basically that. And so that's that's what my owner's intent is. I think uh, often owners feel a sense of, I don't know, shame might be too big of a word, but like almost hiding, like, oh, I'm not the, you know, like, um, it, it, it almost be wrong to have an intent that's personal, that is your own, because we try and talk about the greater good and the purpose of the company. Uh, I rarely, rarely have ever heard somebody be so clear and defined about this owner intent. Does it ever feel awkward to have, to be so bold about something that's so air quotes selfish? I had an owner's intent in my last company but I didn't even know it. Everybody has an owner's intent. And so your owner's intent will be how your actions, your attitudes, you know, your thoughts, money, culture, how, how you do everything. So everybody already knows your owner's intent. Like it's already clear, but in my last company, the reason I'm so passionate about this is all I talked, we were in the church space. And so all I talked about is helping churches and the greater good and blah, blah, blah. And then one day I walk in and, and I tell, hey, I've sold the company, I'm a millionaire. My real owner's intent was to be rich, period. And I used to squeeze profit and like keep the staff down, you know, and people would be working extra and all this kind of stuff. So like they suffered. Now, if I would have just told them, hey, my goal is to be a millionaire and we're going to create this company in such a way to where I'm a millionaire. And so if we had an agreement with that on the front end, then everybody understands and agrees, but it's a cluster and it's, it's confusing when you're not honest about it. And so in the book I'm writing, I talk about, like, I know somebody, you know, their owner's intent literally is to, they don't, they don't classify it this way, but they want to have fancy cars and bang women. I, that's why they do their business. <laughs> now, they would never say that, but they should because their staff says that about them anyway. Mm. So the point is, I don't have any judgment on your owner's intent. And you shouldn't have judgment on your owner's intent. But you have one, whether you want to know it or not, and your team knows it. And what will happen is, is that you will ruin relationships, you will lack purpose, and you will not get what you want out of your business when you want it if you don't clarify your owner's intent. So I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. What, what, when you're talking, it makes me think about, you know, okay, what are his employees 
views on this, right? Because generally speaking, you know, when we talk about like entitlement and business and stuff like that, most employees think that the owner takes a wheelbarrow full of cash home every Friday. Like they, <laughs> don't, they don't have, they really don't have the, the financial acumen or, or it's even been shared to understand like profit and EBITDA, you know, stuff sure. like that. So, so it's interesting, right? You're, what you're really talking about here is just open and honest, right? Being transparent with your, first of all, be honest with yourself, with your owner's intent, and then sharing that with the employees. Now, if I had an owner tell me, hey, I want fancy cars and I want a lot of women, I'd, I'd be like, peace out. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah but some people you. wouldn't. Some people wouldn't. I get that. I get that. And and I think one of the points that you're making here is is again, you gotta understand your own why, right? Simon Sinek, you can go read that book, why. But but owner's intent, you gotta be super clear. His is to his is to, and I'm not listen, I I, I love it, but his is still too sanitized. Like Oh, I yeah. think you're ripping the band-aid off, man. You're I think people should be 100% rawly, completely like gut level, as honest in one sentence as you can possibly say, because it, it just removes all of the confusion and the complexity, even in like, because I have people call me all the time. Like I, I, had a, I had a client call me the other day. She said, she said, I got, we got to get past 10 million. I said, Why? Well, I set these goals. I was like, why is that important? Well, and I start, I dig, 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 dig. At the end of the day, I got down to she's in a mastermind with these Instagram influencers and they're all past 10 million and she's not. And she's literally burning herself, her staff and all this kind of stuff. And I just said to her, I said, listen, let's get down to what do you really want? Like, what do you, do you, what do you want? And essentially what I found is most people think they have bigger dreams than they do. She literally had like a $40,000 a month vision of her life. And she felt like she needed a hundred million dollars. And I was like, no, you just need 40, 40,000. You are. And you know, it found she already had it. Right. She already had it. Right. And so getting clear on it is is the most important thing in business, in my opinion, for the health of you and the health of your organization. Casey, I love the fact that you're challenging a lot of minds out there in Tractionville right now. Um, we went heavy. We went deep. Let's go a little bit fun. Tell us about the practical <laughs> side of culture. You, got, you, you said some big things really, really quick in terms of your culture. But tell us like the practical side. What does that actually look like? Here's what we say. Culture is essentially how we do things around here. If we're going to keep it simple, it's how we do things around here. It's also an ethos, how things feel around here. So it's how we do things and how things feel. And so for us, we believe, and, and we have this to, to, to be true, our number one strategic long-term advantage as a company is the culture we create, not the products that we serve, uh, share. So we believe that that no matter what, like if we came in and all of a sudden credit cards were existent, if you have culture right, you can shift the whole thing and do whatever else you need to do because culture creates speed. And speed is so under uh, under uh, talked about in the market because speed is built upon trust. And if you trust this speed, so, so that's all we spend our time doing. So practical things that we do. Slack is our headquarters. That's we, from the beginning, we've had, a, we've had that. 
Um, the number one thing that we that we love to do is, is catch people doing stuff right. And so internally, we have what's called gravy biscuits. And anytime we catch somebody doing one of our core values or one of our leadership practices, we have five leadership practices or five core values. Uh, people call them out. So every day, literally on my screen, since we've been on here, I've, there's been two gravy biscuits. Go out, they go out all day. And in a virtual culture, it's more important than any, anywhere because we can't see all this stuff and you don't get all the water. It's the water cooler moments of people, but it's badges and celebrating all the time. Gravy biscuit, I caught so-and-so doing this. They were on a client call. They said this, they shared the video, whatever it is. And so gravy biscuits is a huge deal. I believe it's one of the most underestimated virtual things because people use their slack and zooms and stuff like that for like information we use it for inspiration and so our entire philosophy is an inspiring slack community and that's what we do and so we have something called slack expectations and what that means it's like expectations for slack and so we teach people when you join you can't be silent it would be like you not showing up at the office and so we need your voice and you do it the way you do it, but here's what that means. And we give them slight expectations of what that means. And so we set the culture of a virtual culture and digital culture. Those are some other things we do. We have a fellow, a celebrations channel. So celebrations is where we celebrate fails uh, in, in professional and personal. And so if somebody royally screw, like we had somebody screw up and it cost $13,000 uh, with a client contract a couple of weeks ago. And so they put it in a celebration. And so we celebrate a $13,000 screw up in a contract. And so we celebrate those kind of things. Um, we celebrate when somebody's late to a meeting, we celebrate like we, we but we, we self-proclaim because anytime we mess up, we say, Hey, listen, you'll, you'll never get in trouble. If you self, if you self um, say it, don't try to hide it. And so if they screw up something, if they send out the wrong email, whatever, so constantly all day, and you won't believe how many people are messing up in our company. Like all day, there's just people messing up doing stuff because people are testing stuff and trying stuff. So those are some of the things that we do um, from, a, from a, a culture standpoint. Every week we have a team meeting, uh, all team. Uh, it's 45 minutes. It's built upon segments like Saturday Night Live kind of thing. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a performance. It's a show. We literally, people say it feels like either a Tony Robbins conference or church, depending on where they, like, it's, it's, it's stories of our staff, it's crying, it's like why people gravy, it's life change, like, it, we're sharing all this stuff, so we basically have a weekly church service um, as a team, and um, that that's great. We do something called Decade of Destiny, which, am I talking too much? Nope. Okay, so Decade of Destiny is, when you join, is that we want to help you plan 10 years out from where you are in three main areas in your personal life, which is uh, fulfilled relationships, exponential energy, and compounding wealth. And then there's three areas inside of that. And so we have a program every quarter where we meet, and it's totally voluntary, where we're helping people think, uh, they go out 10 years in advance, and then write the story of their life of how old their kids would be or what their money would look like, not goals, but more of a story, and then working backwards. And then we say, we have what's called the 2.5% club, because um, you know, every quarter is 2.5% of a, of a, of a decade. And we say, people say money compounds, everything compounds. And so relationships compound, energy compounds, everything compounds. So we're, we have a compounding club that meets and then we all get on a screen and we are all sharing, Hey, this is my quarterly focus. And then we have a decade of destiny channel where people are talking about what they're doing with their kids or their finances or investments or whatever. And so we're helping people with their life, uh, not just with their work. So we spend the majority of our time helping people with their life 
helping people gain skill sets. And then my promise to them is when they leave, like somebody did today, there's an email that went out. We have the biggest, uh, we call them graduations. So we do gravy graduations and we do graduation celebrate. She got a, we couldn't offer her the role that she wanted. She was going to get paid double to go somewhere else. And so we're like, gosh, this is great. She came, when she came in, she was part of a military family, had no idea what she was going to do. She spent two years learning the business and now she's going from individual contributor to a director role. And we're like, go do it, girl. We're fired up for you. And so we have a page that's come on our new website where we keep up with Gravy alumni and what they're doing now and next. And so my goal, my goal is to create seven uh, disconnected organizations out of this one because we have entrepreneurs in training here too, to have seven different entrepreneurs that go out that I want to be the first investor in their company and, and, and to go out and to create like-minded companies that operate the way that Gravy operates. And so that's what we're trying to do. Casey, it is always a pleasure when I get to spend time with you. Thank you for coming on Tractionville. Where can Tractionville find out more about you and Gravy? Yep, yep. GravySolutions.io is our company website. Everything's there. Um, and then personally, I have one social media channel because I'm from Alabama. I can't manage many things at once. Um, and I am at LinkedIn. And so I'm just Casey Graham on LinkedIn. You can find me there. And you are active there. So I, I encourage people to jump on there. You love to self-deprecate and um, it always gets a good good reaction out of the, the group there. Um, last question, you've got Tractionville, you've got entrepreneurs, you've got leaders, you've got small companies, they're changing the world. What's one piece of wisdom, advice, thought on your heart that you would leave them with today? Yeah, don't take yourself too seriously along the way. <laughs> I did that. And um, what I mean by that is, yeah, work hard, have fun, go after stuff. But dude, like, come on, we're breathing on a ball, a planet that's spinning around in the universe. And there's a star heating us up. And like our level of control is not anywhere what we think it is. And so before you get all worked up about all these big problems that we have, just take a minute, look up, look around the people you have in your life, even today. And literally, I think the, the, the best thing that anybody could do is just be thankful and grateful for the relationships that they have. And I would just say, I believe that business, just like everything else, is an excuse for having relationships. So don't miss the relationships that you have today and tell somebody thank you. Well, thank you, Casey. Tractionville, if you're feeling any kind of way from the last 30 minutes getting to spend with Casey, somebody else might feel that same way or need to hear this. So will you share this with them? Somebody's popping up in your mind right now. Send them a link, share with them, give us a, a review on whatever platform you listen to. And we'll see you next week for Tractionville Tuesday. <laughs>